Hello and welcome to the British Chambers podcast channel. We're delighted to bring you a second season of in-depth discussions and conversations with our members and high-profile speakers, ranging from topics like trade, fintech, arts, sports, and more within Singapore, ASEAN, and the UK. Thank you for your support, and we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of In Conversation with me, David Kelly. We have had some truly brilliant leaders from the Singapore community already on our channel, and today is absolutely no different because I'm delighted to be welcomed by Lam Yi Young, Chief Executive Officer of the Singapore Business Federation. The British Chamber of Commerce here in Singapore is a member of TAC, or the Trade Association and Chamber Network, and we have a very, very good relationship with the Singapore Business Federation, and most notably this year, jointly signed alongside 28 other TACs, the Fair Hiring and Practices Pledge, which was led by the SPF, so a really important piece of work at the beginning of this year. We both focus on helping businesses in Singapore, we both champion trade, and through this, we support job creation. So. Without further ado, Yi Young, it really is brilliant to have you with us today. Thank you so much for your time. Right. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be on and thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, super. So, I mean, can we just start by sort of talking to our listeners a little bit more about you? You've held some senior public sector leadership positions like Deputy Secretary of Industry in the Ministry of Trade and Industry, the Deputy Secretary of Policy in the Ministry of Education. You were the Chief Executive of the Maritime Port Authority of Singapore here as well. So can you just talk a little bit about your career and how that's led you to your role within the SBF? Uh, well, prior to joining uh, SBF last year, I spent more than 20 years in the public service, uh, serving in a number of different ministries, uh, some of which you mentioned just now. And a good part of the time I spent in the public service was actually spent working closely with companies and the industries. Uh, for example, when I was in the Maritime Port Authority of Singapore, one of the key roles we played was to promote Singapore as an international maritime centre. And I worked quite a bit with a lot of maritime companies all over the world. Uh, to help bring them to Singapore uh, to set up their regional office in Singapore. And uh, in the Ministry of Trade Industry, I was in charge of industry promotion across various sectors, as well as the whole industry transformation and future economy effort uh, that Singapore underwent. So in a way, now that I'm SBF, I'm kind of working on the other side, uh, now helping companies, helping companies to put across their voices and advocating on behalf of companies to the government. And in that, maybe in a way, I have a bit of an advantage in that uh, I'm familiar with the government policies and I'm also familiar with the people that we have to work with in the government. Oh, fabulous. And, and working with businesses as well. It sounds absolutely perfect. So I mean, can you tell us a little bit more about the Singapore Business Federation? I mean, we know it's sort of the apex business chamber here in Singapore. You work very closely with the other trade associations and chambers and lots of businesses. But can you just tell us a little bit more about the sort of the mission, the vision of the SBF and, and, and what, what you really do? Sure. Uh, as you mentioned, we are the Apex Business Chamber. So we have a very broad membership of uh, 27,000 companies, as well as trade associations uh, and chambers. So I like to characterize SBF as playing three key roles. The first is as a bridge between the business community and the government. So we understand the business community's needs and concerns, and we advocate on their behalf to the government. Uh, of course, it's a two-way bridge. So we also try and understand the government's policy, uh, the various uh, incentive schemes that the government has, and uh, we help companies to understand the government policies and the schemes, how best to make use of the government support schemes. Uh, so very much a two-way bridge. The second role is as a facilitator to help our members and more generally companies in Singapore on their growth journey. 
So for this, uh, we focus on three areas, internationalization, digitalization and transformation, and jobs and skills. So for example, we provide advisories on free trade agreements. We help to link businesses here up with overseas partners to explore business opportunities. And we also help them with their digitalization and capacity building efforts. And the third role is as an enabler to build a strong business community and ecosystem in Singapore. Uh, we hope to see an ecosystem in Singapore where companies work with each other and help one another. So for this, we work very closely with trade associations and chambers like Bridgem um, to come together and work together so that we can better support and help our members. We also uh, try and encourage SMEs who may lack the skill, particularly to, in terms of going overseas, to work together uh, so that they can uh, become more effective in their internationalization efforts. We also try and bring in the larger companies to work with us to support the SMEs uh, so that as a whole ecosystem, that we can become a stronger business community in Singapore. Oh, that's it's really good, and I'm I'm very privileged and to sort of sit on the inside of the of the TAC network as well, which is it's a really powerful group, isn't it? It's a really, you know, a really great group of all of the trade associations, you know, a number of the chambers here as well, the international chambers, balancing that so that local workforce, that international business piece as well. But can you just sort of talk about how that mechanism supports business here in Singapore? Certainly. So the TAC Alliance, uh, as you mentioned, is a network of trade associations and chambers. That was uh, first set up in September 2017. And uh, Bridge is a founding member of the Alliance and a very, in fact, a very key part of the Alliance. So the Alliance helps to bring together the different trade associations and chambers to work together on key issues of common interest to our members and to the business community in Singapore. Uh, so one good example, which you also mentioned earlier, is that in January this year, 29 trade associations came together and issued a joint statement on fair hiring and employment practices. And I think through that experience, we found that coming together to issue such a joint statement was much more impactful than if any one of us, any one of the TACs had tried to do it on our own. Uh, so there is uh, really a lot of benefit in coming together. And through that, we are better able to serve our members. Oh, really, really good. You've landed your position at the SBF in, I think, quite a challenging time. Um, you know, it's, it's been global pandemic. You know, you've had businesses that have been trying to grow. You've had international companies that have been trying to expand as well. You have travel restrictions. We've had, you know, working from home. It must have been quite a difficult sort of start to your tenure at the SBF. What have been sort of the main challenges over the last 18 months or so? Sure. I think if we look back at the past 18 months or so, I think one key word, that comes out a lot will be COVID. Yeah. I think uh, businesses have all been impacted by, uh, by COVID. It has brought about many multifaceted shocks and challenges to, to companies. And in a way, the SDF is not spared. On two fronts, one is uh, in terms of how we do things ourselves, we are also impacted by it, having to move from seminars to webinars, uh, dealing with working from home. But more importantly, it has also impacted what we need to do to help our members. Yeah. Uh, and I think one challenge for us that we face is uh, being a broad-based chamber. When we look at our members and how they're impacted by COVID, it's really a very, very wide range. From those that are badly affected and worried about survival, to those that, frankly speaking, actually may have uh, kind of benefited from COVID, seen business growth because uh, they were in the, the right sector with the, with the right goods or, or services that was in demand during COVID. Uh, so... I think a lot of the challenge really has been how do we work with our members and support them during this period that uh, is really very, very challenging for them. 
travel from our perspective has been sort of you know one of the one of the big things that have been on sort of our agenda when we've been having a conversation with Simple Business Federation. But thinking about some of the local trade associations as well, you know, mm-hmm. building contracts association, for example, have had different challenges around maintaining contracts and and, and building infrastructure around Singapore. You will have you know, the restaurants and the F&B sector, they'll have very different challenges around not being able to open and cash flow issues. So has it been challenging to balance the different requirements, the different pushes and pulls from, from different trade associations and chambers over, over this period? I think uh, indeed uh, the different trades, different associations will have different interests. So even uh, some of the recent announcements where we talked about uh, the travel, vaccinated travel lanes, I think many yeah. sectors cheer that as uh, something that is welcome. Uh, but there are also sectors that are a bit concerned about what would be the impact on them if a lot of Singaporeans were to go overseas uh, for holidays in December. Right? Does it mean to, uh, that will lead to a drop in demand for local FMB and local retail businesses? And whether there'll be enough tourists coming in to offset the difference? Uh, so these are things that uh, different sectors have different concerns. So of course, like the air travel, the travel agencies are happy. They have business in terms of Singaporeans go overseas for business. Uh, but for those that are more dependent on domestic crowd and tourists coming to Singapore, then their worry is whether uh, as we open up, uh, will we be able to, will tourists want to come to Singapore uh, and will we be able to attract them? Personally, I'm optimistic. I think uh, as we open up the vaccinated travel lane, not only Singaporeans and people in Singapore can go out, uh, I'm sure we will be able to attract tourists from, uh, from the various countries to come to Singapore during the festive season as well. That's really good. And this, this this might sound like a bit of a silly question, Ying, but when you've got all of those different views coming into one place, into the SBF, and you're mm-hmm. working with government and you're understanding or trying to understand how they're managing such a big, you know, a big issue. I mean, we, we've, we've talked about the VTLs at the weekend, you know, that, that, was, that was big news. And it, it felt like that that was earlier than we were expecting as a business community as well, which, which was great because it's given us all hope. But you've got lots of different challenges. How How does that information come to you and how do you then sort of filter out and then, and then communicate that back to the Singapore government to, to support that entire network? I think that's where partnership is really important, uh, right. working with the different trade associations, uh, having a good network, and uh, I think more importantly, building up a certain level of trust uh, that we can communicate quite uh, frankly with each other, uh, where they can share with us their concerns. And sometimes we do understand the sectoral concern could be different from, from other sectors or the broader economy, uh, but I think having the trust that they will share with us and uh, having that network that we can hear from different trade associations, from different companies, what are the different concerns. Uh, then we're able to put this together in our advocacy to the government to help the government understand the different perspective. Because sometimes they may hear from certain sectors and say that, okay, they have feedback to say, well, maybe we, should, uh, we shouldn't open up so fast or we should open up faster. Uh, yeah. So we, we try and play that role of uh, balancing the views of hearing from a broader group of stakeholders and to try and share that with the government. And also, we also try and uh, provide the opportunity for the different trade associations to, to speak directly to the government and to hear from the government directly. Uh, so we've, uh, over the past uh, year, we have organized, I think, I think more than 20 ministerial dialogues uh, yeah. involving different companies, uh, including many that uh, the Brit Cham was uh, represented at, uh, to be able to give the feedback from the different community directly to the government so that they're able to understand the, the range of concerns out there. And I think we do recognize very strongly that uh, the impact of COVID uh, has been uneven across the economy. And very much so, the recovery has also been uneven, mainly across sectors, but also across companies. So even if we look at the current state, some are still, some sectors are still struggling, still quite worried about uh, survival, while some are really 
uh, well, in a way, thriving already. So we, I'd like to see it as a kind of in three phases, survival, recovery, and growth. So last year, I think a lot of what we were doing was focused on the survival part, helping companies to, to deal with the, the sudden impact and uh, keeping the lights on, so to say. Then uh, over time, we have shifted more towards recovery, uh, helping companies to recover. And now I think uh, we're also starting to look at how can we help companies to grow so that they can emerge stronger from, from COVID. Oh, really, really good. And last question on COVID, I promise, because I think everybody's sick of hearing that word. But how have you felt that companies have been navigating the COVID situation? I mean, you talked about that survival, recovery and growth piece, but have you seen the business community here being very, very resilient? Has it, has it enabled more sort of digital involvement and sort of technological change and being a bit more innovative through digital means? Have you, have you seen a bit of a shift in the business community? Definitely. Uh, so, the, well, I mentioned earlier, I used to be with the Ministry of Trade and Industry where I was looking after industry transformation. So for many years, I think since 2017, Right. We have been talking about industry transformation with the uh, drawing out the industry transformation maps and pushing companies more towards uh, digitalization and transformation. Um, in a way, I think what I've seen over the past 18 months, COVID has helped to give a much bigger push to transformation effort than, uh, than what the government has been advocating over the past few years. Uh, I think when faced with an issue of survival, a burning platform, uh, companies find that they, they have to transform, they have to digitalize, and uh, the faster they do it, the better they are able to cope with the disruptions. So last year in our annual national business survey, 84% of companies reported that they have accelerated their digital transformation by an average of uh, up to two years. Uh, so I think it was a big push. Of course, some of this was uh, really based on necessity in order to do work from home. They had to replace a lot of uh, manual paperwork by going uh, online, going uh, uh, electronic in order to be able to support working from home. But I think it's gone beyond that. And I hope uh, this is something that companies will continue to look at even as we recover that. Uh, how do we tap on digitalization? Uh, how do we transform to become more productive and more efficient? So I think uh, overall, uh, companies uh, in Singapore have coped well. Uh, of course, uh, to a large extent, also supported in terms of the survival phase by a lot of the support measures from the government that allows them to keep the business going and more importantly, to, to keep their employees employed and to preserve the capability of the company. But we're also glad that despite the, all the disruption, uh, we have seen good demand for the, the services we provide in helping companies to go overseas and internationalize. Yeah. So despite the disruptions, they were still coming up to us to say, well, they realized they need to go beyond Singapore. Demand may be low down in Singapore, but there are opportunities out there. Uh, and so they, they approached us to work with us in order to, to seize opportunities overseas. Just turning to trade as a bit of a topic as well. The UK's recently signed a free trade agreement with Singapore at the end of last year. There's quite a lot that's sort of happening in terms of the UK's position trading internationally, but it was really good to hear that the free trade agreement was, was, was signed. I think it was the second after, after Japan, I think, in, in Asia, which was, which was great. What impact does that have for Singaporean business? Have you, have you started to see companies use that, look at that, look at how to trade with the UK? Is, is it helping trade flows sort of bilaterally between countries? Well, we have a very long history of strong trade ties between Singapore and UK. I think uh, in a way dating back to the founding of modern Singapore. And the UK is among Singapore's uh, top European trading partners with the bilateral trade value at about $18 billion uh, back in 2019. And uh, Singapore is also the UK's largest trade and investment partner in ASEAN. 
So we very much welcome the UK-Singapore FTA. And with that, Singapore exporters uh, can stand to benefit from the immediate elimination of tariff uh, on 84% of products in the United Kingdom. And this includes food products, electronic machineries, and petrochemical products. And tariff on the remaining products will also be eliminated by the end of uh, 2024. In a way, the signing of the UK-Singapore FTA was a very timely one following the UK's exit from the EU last year. And the timing allowed for continuity for our businesses following the end of the Brexit transition period. Uh, just, I mean, from, a, from an operational perspective, how, how would a, an SME use the free trade agreement between the UK and Singapore? How, how sort of in practical terms for a, for a small SME that might be exporting a, a good or a service to the UK, how would they use it? Well, in, in a way, the, at a more macro level, it helps them to access a, a big and attractive market, uh, the UK, uh, for the goods and services that they produce. It also helps them in terms of uh, sourcing for, for goods and services from the UK that are desired by companies here as well as consumers. So some of the things we do to help companies, uh, particularly SMEs, to understand FTA is to work through with them to understand what are their products, uh, what are the markets that have demand for such products. And then uh, a big part of it also is also uh, how do they classify the products to uh, what part of the FTA does it fall under and what are the advantages the different FTA uh, provides. For example, the FTA with uh, UK, uh, there is a provision for Asian food products that uh, in a way is opportunity for Singapore companies to be able to like uh, importing raw ingredients from the region, processing it in Singapore, particularly our food manufacturers, and then exporting it to the UK, uh, making use of the UK-Singapore FTA. Great stuff. Good to hear that that's, uh, it's working practically. I'm sure there's lots we can work on collectively over the next sort of couple of years as well around really sort of strengthening strengthening those opportunities. And, you know, turning to sort of up and coming negotiations, we know that the UK and Singapore are discussing the digital economy agreement as well and mm. looking at different types of frictionless trade and how we can support digital economy from that perspective. Are you getting feedback from your members in terms of what a good digital economy looks like for the future and how they might use that as an opportunity going forwards? The, the, the whole concept of digital economy agreements are still uh, pretty new. Um, but I think we have seen strong interest from among companies at how these can uh, help to enable their businesses. Uh, so, and uh, the potential DEA between Singapore and the UK, we believe will help to facilitate digital trade and also open new opportunities for both uh, Singapore and UK businesses. We recently did a roundtable with some of our businesses uh, to talk about uh, digital economy agreements. And uh, through that, we received very strong feedback and interest from Singapore companies in the potential UK-Singapore DEAs and the opportunities that it can bring. And uh, so we very much look forward to the progress on this UK-Singapore DEA. Great, really good. I'm just going to turn to diversity before we get on to sustainability, because I think, we, and it's just quite topical, because you recently launched uh, your Singapore Women Entrepreneurs Network to connect mm -hmm. women entrepreneurs together here in Singapore. It was a really great program, and certainly our women in business group, we're trying to make sure that they're up to date with, with that activity as well. Can you just share a little bit more about that initiative? Because it, it, was, it landed really well, I think, um, when that was launched. It'd be just great to hear you know, what that program's about and, and how, we can, how we can get involved. Well, it's, uh, in a way, it's, uh, um, part of it started, the discussion started uh, with uh, Rachel Ng, who is now the, uh, the chair of the SG1 uh, Exco, about a year before we, we formally launched it, uh, where we were talking about Singapore's representation at the ASEAN Women Entrepreneurs Network how much of a, a voice our women entrepreneurs have uh, in Singapore as well as in ASEAN. So uh, we went through a series of discussions as well as a focus groups to better understand the needs of women entrepreneurs. And um, 
one of the feedback that came through is that they, they, they do see that they face certain unique challenges uh, and that they will be able to benefit from having a network of women entrepreneurs to, to help them and support uh, them and for women entrepreneurs to come together and uh, work with each other. After that, we, we did further work, and uh, which of course led to the launch of the Singapore Women Entrepreneurs Network uh, last month. So a lot of the focus will very much be on the networking, the opportunities for sharing, could be through a roundtable discussion, fireside chats, uh, where we can uh, bring in women entrepreneurs to share their story, share their experience with others, uh, and to see how they can uh, better support each other. Uh, of course, the other part will be linking into to the rest of the world, uh, starting with the ASEAN uh, Women Entrepreneurs Network. But we also hope to learn uh, beyond that to link into Asia Pacific and to the rest of the world. That's a really, really, really great initiative. We'll, we'll certainly do as much as we can to support you on that. This year is, is an important year. We're turning to sustainability with the UK hosting COP26 next month. Actually, it's not, not, not long to go. What are companies doing around that sustainability piece that you're seeing within the SPF network? Are you seeing, are you seeing there being more of a push for sustainability over the last couple of years in the run-up to COP? Well, uh, definitely. I think sustainability is increasingly an important part of businesses, driven in part by greater awareness among consumers and investors as well. So SPF, uh, we just went through an extensive series of industry engagement on sustainability. And uh, what we found was that there is a wide range of readiness among companies ranging from those who have already fully embedded sustainability into their business strategies and operations to those that are still grappling with understanding what sustainability is all about and and frankly, what it means for their business. So I think what we are trying to do is uh, uh, working on how to help our members, particularly the SMEs, in understanding sustainability and in incorporating sustainability in their business. But beyond that, beyond just sustainability in business, we're also looking at what are the opportunities for sustainability as a business. Uh, How can companies make money from sustainability and sustainable practices and not just view sustainability as a sort of as a cost center, costing them more money. So I think that's uh, something that we hope to do more of. And in a way, I think Singapore is quite well placed to do some of these. And uh, if we are able to build up our companies with good sustainable practices, this could become an exportable service in a way uh, that they can uh, then... uh, export the expertise to, to other countries in the region uh, who I'm sure will also increasingly need to look at the issues of sustainability. And I think it's one area that uh, we also hope to explore collaboration with the CHAM. Uh, many UK companies uh, have good expertise in these areas. Uh, and we, I think we can look at how we can work together to bring some of these uh, companies' expertise to Singapore and use Singapore as a base to also serve the, the emerging uh, needs for sustainable practices in the region. Oh, we would love to do that with you. And we've, we've had a couple of dialogues with Minister Grace Fu and, and her team and also with MTI more broadly around the public-private partnerships and how it requires business to help shape the Singapore Green Plan more broadly. So really, really keen to, to support you on that and going forwards. I know we've had a conversation about that sort of previously as well. So you're really, really keen. Are there core sectors that you're seeing that could be really good drivers for the Singapore Green Plan? Is, is it around finance? Is it around manufacturing? Is it that digitalization piece? Are you seeing sort of great opportunities across some sectors to really help drive the SGP? I think uh, first and foremost, I think uh, sustainability is important and relevant for all sectors and uh, all sectors can play a part. But of course, there are certain sectors that I think uh, Singapore is more well-placed to, uh, to be able to become a hub in or to play a leading role in, in the region. Green financing is one area with our strong standing as a financial center. Uh, green financing, green investment, that's important. 
Uh, I think other areas uh, that could be quite core will be things relating to, say, energy efficiency and management, uh, waste management and recycling, uh, green buildings, green materials, uh, etc. Uh, these are sectors that can play a key role in helping other sectors in the sustainability journey. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, some of these could also have potential to be exportable services to yeah. the region. No, really, really good. And we, we, we look forward to working with you on that as well. Now, I know, I know personally, and I don't want to, uh, I don't want to drop you in it here, um, but at the last time we met, we were talking about your previous role as the Chief Executive of the Maritime Port Authority and the moving the port and enlarging the infrastructure to support global trade through Singapore. And you've always had a really keen eye on, on, on the environment as well. Can you just, can you share with our listeners the story that you shared with me around the considerations of mm. enlarging the port and moving it in some of the considerations around, around the environment? Because it was, it was really interesting to hear that. Actually, um, I think many people know Singapore uh, as being a very busy port, uh, one of the busiest ports in the world. Uh, with, uh, I think at any one time, we have up to a thousand ships in our, in our waters. Uh, so we are well known for being busy port. And sometimes people have the impression that, well, if you're such a busy port, uh, there must be lots of pollution, the waters must be dirty, and so on. But... Uh, I think nothing can be further from the truth. Uh, so despite being a very busy port, Singapore does place a lot of emphasis on ensuring the sustainability and, uh, and the, the green part. Or in the maritime side, we, all talk, we talk about the blue part of it, the ocean. So actually, Singapore's waters has a very good uh, biodiversity. We are home to many species of hard corals, as well as seagrass and uh, other, other parts of the marine ecosystem. So... When we do development in the ports, we are also very mindful about the impact on the environment. Uh, of course, uh, before any works, there'll be the full, full range of uh, environmental impact studies. Uh, what are all the uh, mitigation measures that needs to be put in place? So the example uh, that you mentioned uh, that, that we talked about the last time was about the expansion of, uh, of Tuas Port, uh, which uh, required doing certain reclamation uh, in order to build a, a new uh, container terminal at Tuas. And as part of the environmental impact study, we realized that there's a, there's a good coral reef in that region that may be impacted by the uh, reclamation. Because through the reclamation, uh, there will be a lot of uh, sediments and things that may affect the corals. So as part of the project, we actually invested quite a bit of money to, to do a, a transplantation of the corals, where we work with the nature groups, the blue groups, we work with the universities uh, and volunteers uh, through a series of activities to actually, with divers going in, to, to catalog the different types of corals we have. And then we're working with the scientists to select what are the, the samples and species of corals that we should uh, relocate from their current location into an area of waters that is not affected by the reclamation, uh, so as to ensure that we can retain the biodiversity of uh, the corals that we have. And working with the scientists, they also advise that we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, relocate everything. I think that's the, the important part of partnership because to us, it's like, so maybe we, we would have just uh, thought of re relocating everything uh, since they are all affected by the reclamation. Uh, but the scientists to us, it's actually important to leave some in place because it's of scientific value to study what happens to them uh, as, the, as the reclamation progresses, how they are affected, and if they are affected, how well can they recover from it subsequently. Uh, so it was a, a very good partnership working with the universities, with the scientists, as well as with the nature groups. Really, really brilliant. A story that really struck me when we, when we, when we had lunch together. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that with our, with our listeners again. Let's, let's look at the future. Let's look at, you know, the plan for Singapore Business Federation going forwards and 
and the dialogues you're having with this, with the government and what's going on and, and that regional piece as well that you, you highlighted. So mm. what is the plan for the Singapore Business Federation going forward? You talked about being the bridge and the facilitator and enabler. Is it is it sort of turbocharging more of that and bringing more of the business community together and being more efficient at that and, and, and growing that? Is, is What's the plan going forward? Uh, so in terms of the key role, I think it's very much continuing being the bridge, the facilitator, the enabler. In terms of what we need to do, I think uh, in the next year or two, a lot of the focus will be on helping companies in their recovery and growth journey. Uh, second, it's about the whole issue of sustainability that we talk about uh, becoming of increasing importance. And uh, I think the third area is uh, very much manpower related and sustainable employment related. This could involve the role of women in the workforce. How do we better support low-wage workers, uh, mature workers, and of course, uh, ensuring fair housing. Uh, and then the other one will be in terms of uh, digitalization and uh, transformation, continuing to help companies to become stronger. So that's the what we need to do. And in terms of how we work, I'd like to, uh, to my colleagues, I'd like to structure it in terms of uh, what I call the three Ps, people, processes, and partnership. Right? People very much is uh, we need to build a strong team in SPF that, uh, that understand businesses and is able to help businesses. We need good processes to help us in our work. But most importantly, we need strong partnerships. And this includes partnership with trade associations like BridgeHam, partnership with companies, partnership with government agencies, so that we can all work together to help our members and the companies in Singapore. Fabulous. Really, really, really good. And obviously, within that engagement with the Singapore authorities as well, I mean, you know, we look at the multi-ministry task force, we look at the the roadmap that they have to sort of opening up Singapore. And we talked about some of your members that were impacted in terms of their local business here, but also tourism as well. What are sort of the regular dialogues that will be coming up with the Singapore authorities around and um, sort of getting back to a, a, a new normal, as it were? And I hate that phrase, but sort of getting back to where we were. <laughs> All right. Um, I think uh, we, we do dialogue a lot with the, uh, the Singapore government and many of it uh, together with our members, with companies, as well as with uh, trade associations. So I think uh, in terms of the content, uh, the, the key initiative, it very much evolves around our three strategic pillars, internationalization, helping companies go overseas, digitalization, transformation, as well as uh, jobs and skills. But some of the more specific things that we've been talking quite a bit, uh, and uh, we're happy to see movement in is uh, travel, the reopening of borders and resumption of travel. So we very much uh, uh, welcome the, the announcement last uh, Saturday on the yeah. expansion in the number of countries under the vaccinated travel lanes. So, of course, uh, after they announced it, I was uh, uh, we're saying we very much welcome it, but uh, we hope to see more, continued progress, continue opening up. No, brilliant. And we, we, were, we were delighted as well, Ewan, as we were saying sort of before we were recording this. It was, it was great news, I think, for a lot of the community here that can more realistically be reunited with their families in the UK, which is, which is great. But also, it does open up and starts to open up more around that regional piece that you talked about around ASEAN and the dialogue that you're having more broadly with neighbouring countries. And there's, you know, there's a couple of bits here, isn't there? You know, Singapore really is a very, very powerful, strong gateway to the Southeast Asian market. And I think, you know, with the UK becoming a, a, an ASEAN dialogue partner, it looks like a great opportunity for the UK and Singapore to really help support those companies and, and, and businesses to start thinking about the wider market opportunity as well. What sort of areas of partnership are you seeing across the region where we can we can sort of work collaboratively to help companies to explore a, a wider market outside of Singapore? Uh, so in terms of uh, whether it's ASEAN or uh, APEC, uh, actually one of the things I've been working a lot with our counterparts, uh, the business chambers and businesses in the region, 
uh, one of it is actually on travel. So actually, I'm the I'm the uh, I as the convener for the APEC. APEC is the APEC Business Advisory Council. I'm leading the APEC task force on reopening of borders and uh, safe resumption of travel. Uh, so we have put up quite a number of recommendations to the APEC uh, leaders, really about advocating for the APEC to come together to work out certain uh, common uh, uh, standards to facilitate the resumption of travel. Because we are mindful that for travel, it takes both sides. Right? It's, uh, if one side, only one side opens, but the other side doesn't, then it doesn't quite facilitate the travel. And we're also quite worried about there being a, what we term a spaghetti bowl of rules, where different countries require different types of vaccines, require different types of tests, different types of certificate, and which makes travel very difficult. So we're, we're advocating together with all the other uh, APEC economies to advocating to the APEC governments to say, well, is there some way to work together to harmonize some of the requirements uh, and also to have some common standards on, say, for example, vaccination certificates uh, so that uh, it can facilitate mutual recognition uh, and better travel. So that's one. Uh, I mean, other areas that uh, we're working both at ASEAN uh, platform as well as the APEC platform will be promoting digitalization and facilitating trade. No, amazing. I don't know how you have time to do your day job here, because I know, I know you do lots of volunteering on lots of boards as well. And it's amazing to hear that you're really championing that that, that international regional trade piece as well is, is, is really great to hear. This is just a final question before I sort of ask a couple more questions about you, which is um, how can British companies get more involved? What can we do to support? Well, I think uh, there's uh, good potential for Singapore companies and British companies to, to work together. Uh, mm. I mentioned sustainability just now. Uh, that is one, I think, one area that uh, a growth area that we can work together on. But beyond it, I think, uh, given our very long and extensive historical ties, we, there are so many opportunities that we can work together in a win-win way to benefit both Singapore companies and British companies. No, brilliant. No, well, we we, uh, we look forward to working working with you more closely as well. So, any downtime because you've got a really busy job, you're, you know, representing a lot of different views. You've got an incredible, I think you're, I think you're doing an amazing job. What are you reading at the moment? And what are you watching on TV? Well, uh, every day I try and uh, I try uh, to, to make time to, to walk on the treadmill for an hour. And okay. uh, while I'm doing that, uh, I'm usually watching Korean drama or Japanese drama. So uh, that's, uh, it helps to take my mind off. The, all the worries and uh, the work uh, to to just spend an hour on the treadmill and uh, and, and engaging in some entertainment with uh, with Korean drama and Japanese drama. And do you speak Japanese or Korean? Or no, I have to rely on the subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, same as same as same as me, same as me. Yeah. So it's been this has been an amazing, amazing, amazing conversation. You've got a, an amazing role. You've had a, you've had a great sort of route up this role as well. This is a sort of a question we ask all of our podcast channel guests is. If we could offer you the British Chamber of Commerce time machine and we can take you back to a point in your younger life where with all of the knowledge you have now, you could give yourself some advice. At what age would you go back and what advice would you give yourself? Wow, hmm. that is a tough question. Um, I guess uh, if I could go back, I'll probably go back to, uh, to my teens and to tell myself that uh, don't be afraid, just try. I think very often uh, when growing up, it's like some things it's like to say, oh, not sure if I can do it. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe not. Uh, but sometimes, we, uh, but with, with age, we find uh, what I've learned is that actually what's important is just try. And uh, if you don't try, you never know whether you can succeed. I love that. I think that is, and that's great, great advice. I, I, that's absolutely amazing. Yi Young, 
thank you so much for your time today. I know you're so incredibly busy. It's It's been brilliant to have you on our channel as well to, to talk about the businesses, talk about post-COVID opening up and the opportunities as well. I think we've all heard loud and clear, you know, let's talk about sustainability. Let's create meaningful partnerships between British and Singaporean companies to really drive that, that agenda as well. So a really great opportunity. Thank you so, so much and very much look forward to working with you closely as, uh, as things develop. Thank you very much, David. It's uh, great chatting with you on the podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to our podcast and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, don't forget to subscribe and rate our channel on Spotify, Apple, Google and all other podcast platforms. For more information about the Chamber, please visit www.britchan.org.sg.